Welcome to Small Talk Reflections, the weekly podcast for discussing and promoting the Small Talk programming language. My name is David Buck, and with me today is Craig Lada. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. How's life in sunny California? It's fantastic. It's extremely sunny right now. Oh, I wish I could be there. We had snow this morning. Oh, ouch. Ouch, yes. No, no kidding. It, at least it didn't stay. Mm-hmm. So for uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk about what is small talk. Um, at the uh, one place where I work on contract, we have uh, a new employee in, and um, we're teaching him small talk. And he had never heard of small talk before. He was familiar with Java and certainly other programming languages, but small talk wasn't one that he'd ever actually even heard of before. That's amazing. It is uh, considering. Considering the impact that small talk has had over the years, it's, um, I guess in the late 90s, it was popular to know about small talk. These days, kids don't seem to know about it. I run into a few people who um, are into Ruby who have a reverence for small talk and occasionally some Objective-C people, but that's about it. Yeah. And in fact, a few years ago at a conference, they had a, a person from the Ruby community presenting at the small talk conference. And he was chuckling through it saying, you know, the things that I used to tell people are so great about Ruby, you guys already know. And then you guys here are telling me that, oh, yeah, well, Ruby should have this that Smalltalk has. Yep. So let's start off. What is Smalltalk? Uh, Smalltalk is an object-oriented programming language, and it was developed back in the early 1970s at Xerox Park in California. It was a team called the Learning Research Group at Xerox. And um, they built it mostly to uh, to teach kids how to program computers. I don't think that ever really worked out well for them. Well, I've heard different accounts of that. They uh, had some quite successful trials and focus groups uh, with different kids at different schools. But yeah, there was no big splashy result or paper that everyone cites or anything like that, which is a little strange. Now, the ideas behind Smalltalk came from a language called Simula 67, that introduced this object of, or this concept of object-oriented programming, although it was the people from the Smalltalk team who coined the term. Uh, Alan Kay coined the term object-oriented. So why don't we say a few words about object-oriented first and say what that's about. Yeah, so an object is a composition of state and behavior. An object has references to a bunch of other objects in the system. That makes up its state. And its behavior are things that you can get it to do by sending it messages. You can send a message to an object, and that will invoke a series of instructions uh, called a method. So compared to standard programming languages, a method might be equivalent to a function or a procedure, but it's associated to an object instead of being something that's separate. The method in Smalltalk belongs to the object. Closely associated with the concept of behavior is that of responsibility. Everything that can be done in the system is done by sending a message to some object, and we say that the receiver of each message has responsibility for that behavior. So Smalltalk is built around this idea, and it's one of the few object-oriented programming languages these days where everything is an object. It's a pure object-oriented system. So in Smalltalk, even integers, even uh, characters are objects. 
which is somewhat unusual these days. Yeah, we have the notion of a virtual machine and of virtualizing a processor or an entire computing system. But that sort of continuity uh, at the programming level is unusual now. Yeah, typically you'd see things like uh, Java that has um, some sort of native ints, but uh, on the side they have um, special objects for ints. So they, they have sort of a mix of the two. Um, interestingly, C-sharp sort of gives you the impression that everything is uh, implemented as an object when it might not be. So it's kind of strange. Right, right. So Smalltalk, as I mentioned, was developed in the early 1970s. It was released in 1983 to universities and to um, various companies to see if they could uh, port, those, port Smalltalk to their platforms and to, uh, to start to use them. So it was the first public release of Smalltalk 80. But at the time, Xerox really wasn't interested in commercializing Smalltalk. It wasn't until uh, the late 1980s that they finally spun off a company from Xerox called Parkplace. And Parkplace, their whole job was to commercialize Smalltalk. So that's where we first saw Smalltalk in the industry. I'm James T. Savage, and this is the Smalltalk Jobs Report. Smalltalkjobs.com is a blog maintained by myself and several other volunteers. What follows are some of the open Smalltalk programming positions that were recently listed on the blog. Hyderabad Secunderabad, India. WePro Technologies is looking for a team lead who has experience with natural, Smalltalk, and has five to eight years of experience. Mexico. Berez Dev is looking for a Smalltalk developer, SSR, SR, MX, who has extensive experience in Smalltalk, preferably VisualWorks, Relational Databases, SQL, Object-Oriented Programming, and Linux. It is considered a big plus if you have solid experience in systems with high transaction volume. Lower Saxony, Germany. GovConnect is looking for application developers with solid knowledge and experience in object-oriented application development with Java and or Smalltalk. Experience with Eclipse, RCP, and current internet technologies in JAE environments, web services, REST, XML, and working knowledge of relational databases, Oracle, SQL Server, or MySQL, you must be able to read and write fluently in German for this position. Sydney, Australia. Evolution Recruitment Solutions is looking for a Smalltalk developer who has commercial experience in Smalltalk and ideally knowledge of Oracle and SQL Server. If you have exposure to Java, C, or C++, it will be a big plus, but those are not essential. Centurion Gauting, South Africa. Recruit IT, Communicate Personnel, Central Technical Services, and Momentum Retail are looking for a Smalltalk developer who has five to eight years experience as a software developer, at least five years experience with object-oriented development language, at least two years experience with SQL, and experience in build, release, and test automation. It is considered a plus if you have experience with IBM MQ, 
and Gemstone Smalltalk. Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. Precision System Design is looking for a senior Smalltalk developer who has the ability to work independently and multitask effectively, has 10 plus years of application development and implementation experience using Smalltalk, Object Studio version 8.2 or greater, advanced client server knowledge, is able to solve highly complex problems and perform multiple tasks and meet deadlines. They are also looking for excellent verbal and written communication skills for diverse audiences, advanced knowledge about Microsoft SQL databases, and you should be at least knowledgeable about IBM MQ series. North America. Syncom Systems is looking to grow the Syncom Smalltalk engineering team. Their current focus is for the VM team, virtual machine. If you think you are the teammate they are looking for, or if you want more information about the VM or other positions, please contact Suzanne Fortman, the Smalltalk Engineering Manager at Syncom. A link to her email address can be found on the jobs blog. The jobs listed in this report are just a few examples of the Smalltalk positions that are currently open across the world. For more details, read our shared blog at smalltalkjobs.com. Good luck with your job hunting. So Smalltalk, as I mentioned, is a pure object-oriented language. It also has this feature that it's dynamically typed. Now Ruby, I believe, has picked up on dynamic typing. Ruby calls dynamic typing duck typing because uh, basically if something looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. And so that's their uh, their definition of uh, duck typing. They don't, and this is like Smalltalk, they don't have types on, on the variables. The variables don't they, they aren't declared with types. So you can put any object into any variable. And that seems very unusual for people who've come from a, a traditional C or a Java type world. Uh, but it provides us quite a lot of power and really doesn't have very many drawbacks. As long as you have powerful reflective tools, uh, this isn't a, a handicap. It's a huge strength, I think. Yeah, when people who... Um, have a fully compiled language, a statically compiled language, and uh, they say to me, uh, you know, how can you uh, make sure your program works when you, you don't have the compiler to check the types for you? <laughs> my answer is I can get to my debugger faster than you can get through your compiler. Yeah, and we also have a good culture of unit testing. In fact, the culture of unit testing originated from Smalltalk Roots. Uh, the very first uh, unit testing platform was SUnit which uh, was developed by Kent Beck and was later um, uh, ported over to Java to become JUnit. Yeah. These are things that I find uh, a lot of Ruby programmers and Objective-C programmers have at least heard about. Oh, definitely. For a lot of people, that information has sort of been uh, lost to time, even though it's only been, you know, 15 years. Well, let's talk about some of the other influences Smalltalk has had over the years. First of all, there's that the big one where Smalltalk introduced... Um, the first overlapped bitmapped or overlapping windows bitmapped graphic system. So this whole idea of windows with scroll bars and uh, being controlled by mice, that all came from, uh, from Smalltalk roots. Uh, I will say that the mouse itself was not invented by the Smalltalk people, and that was invented by Doug Engelbart. But uh, the people at Xerox picked up on the mouse and said, yeah, that's a great vehicle. And they implemented things like pop-up menus and uh, 
graphics uh, with uh, text with multiple fonts and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. In fact, I used to work with the inventor of the scroll bar for a while. That was Michael Malcolm, a small talker. Oh, the inventor of the scroll bar. Wow. Pretty cool. Back in around 1981, uh, Steve Jobs from Apple uh, actually took a tour of Xerox and uh, got to see the Xerox technology when nobody else could. Um, and the thing that he took away from that was all of this uh, windowing, mouse-driven, um, graphical user interface idea. He was so enthralled by that that he missed out on some other things. And in fact, he later said that he saw three things at Xerox and uh, missed two of them. He saw the graphical user interfaces. He saw that everything was written in Smalltalk, and he saw that all the computers were networked together. But he was so enthralled by the first one, the, the graphical user interfaces, that he completely missed the other two. Yep. Um, other things, agile methods originated in Smalltalk primarily. Uh, it was Kent Beck and Ward Cunningham who first started off on agile methods that eventually became extreme programming. Yeah, that's true. Um, a lot of that work became sophisticated while uh, Kent Beck was at Chrysler, I think, refining methods for team programming. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It was a project at Chrysler called C2, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, the Scrum methodology also came from Smalltalk Roots. Uh, and in fact, if you ask most of the people involved with the um, Agile methods, how much influence Smalltalk has had in their method, their answer has always been, it's an enormous amount. Mm -hmm. So um, other things, we mentioned unit testing, um, but also design patterns came from, again, Smalltalk roots. Once again, it was uh, Kent Beck and Ward Cunningham first talking about design patterns, and their idea was very small design patterns, very simple things that later got picked up by um, the gang of four and they wrote the book of design patterns based on the ones that they had collected and many of those came from Smalltalk. Right. So Smalltalk had a big influence on design patterns. Yeah. And I guess it was a, a follow-up design patterns book, uh, a Java edition that uh, made, sort of got it to break through into uh, popular consciousness. But yeah, that first book was uh, extremely influential. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, one of the specific patterns, uh, Model View Controller, MVC, uh, was the, the way that we wrote Windows in Smalltalk and has sort of been taken over by uh, Java these days. And Java has their own um, web framework philosophy, I guess, called uh, MVC, Model View Controller. Right. And it's been fun to watch a lot of the refactoring conversations about MVC happening in the Java world, uh, recapitulating similar conversations in the Smalltalk world from 20 years before. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you mentioned the word refactoring. Refactoring, uh, again, came from primarily Smalltalk roots. Uh, their very, very first work on refactoring was on C++, uh, C++ code, I believe. Mm -hmm. But um, very soon afterward, they said, okay, let's switch to Smalltalk because it's such a neat an easy language to write a refactoring engine for. The very, the very first uh, system that had a refactoring tool for it was Smalltalk. Right. When you have all these, you know, very powerful tools, um, they're, they're practically, you know, begging you to write refactoring tools with them. Exactly. Especially when you have such uh, easy reflection in Smalltalk, 
everything is an object, even the classes. So the classes are just other objects in Smalltalk, and it's easy to go around and say um, to this class, show me all your methods, and the methods are objects. Yeah. So everything is an object in Smalltalk. So it makes it very easy to reflect on it. In fact, the Smalltalk compiler is written in Smalltalk, and you can look at the source code, and if you're brave enough, you can change it. Right. When your tools are file editors, which know nothing about the structure of your programming language, yeah, then it's a lot harder, and there are a lot of things you wouldn't think of doing. But when there is such uh, continuity across all of your implementation and all of your tools, then you become inspired to write these very reflective things. Uh, another aspect of Smalltalk that I really appreciate is the idea of being able to work with the objects in the same environment as your development environment. So. Uh, you're actually, your development environment is working in the uh, the same objects. Uh, you can actually open a window and look at the objects in real time that are underneath that window. You can make changes in your browsers. You can change the code. And in real time, that affects your window that's already open. So everything is running all at once. And you can go in and touch things and modify things and look at things without having to shut down and go into debug mode. Right. And some projects like the self project took ideas like this to an extreme where they were gathering real-time performance information from the system as it ran and using that to come up with more efficient versions of methods and more efficient uh, caching schemes. And ideas from self got brought into strong talk which is another version of Smalltalk that was that is available. Eventually, got moved into the uh, Java VM as um, Hotspot. Right. The Hotspot Java VM is based on technology that was first pioneered in Smalltalk. Yeah. So the whole notion of just-in-time compiling is uh, something that the Java world got from Smalltalk. Um, and uh, and dynamic inlining. So uh, uh, Strongtalk was famous for uh, analyzing your code and saying it'll be faster if I just inline this method directly into the color and it'll just inline large portions of code so you didn't have to make uh, calls out to actually get it to run. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a pretty cool uh, innovation. Yeah, so now you have this, this convenience of the compiler being a small talk program is not just convenient for workflow and for debugging, but you're getting valuable performance optimization out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as one last thing, I'd like to I'd like to mention where Smalltalk is being used to, in the world today. Um, you mentioned before that it was uh, sort of an academic, it had academic roots to it, uh, but today it's being used by uh, many companies in commercial applications. Uh, some big ones I can think of um, for container shipping. Uh, most of the container shipping in the world is controlled by applications running in Smalltalk. That's right. Uh, that's a company called OOCL mm -hmm. that uh, does that. Um, another big project is in the financial market. Um, JP Morgan has a system that does financial trade analysis and pricing and so on. Yep. And uh, it's called Capital. And uh, that's a huge project that they use around the world. Um, insurance companies uh, are using uh, Smalltalk for managing their insurance products. 
Um, in fact, I've had uh, various contracts with those companies to do some work over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a big company in the Netherlands uh, called Delta Lloyd Health Insurance. They use Montlock a lot. Ah, excellent. Uh, one interesting one, uh, silicon manufacturing. Apparently, most of the chips made today have at one point in their manufacturing process gone through a machine that was controlled by Smalltalk. Uh-huh. When I asked the people um, how much, like what percentage of chips, he would say, oh, pretty much 100%. Wow. So they have quite an impact there. Mm-hmm. Now, is this related to factory automation work done uh, before by Texas Instruments? I'm not sure if it was by Texas Instruments. Uh, the main product is one called Control Works, mm-hmm. which is a... Um, a product that controls silicon manufacturing machines. Yeah. And um, they have various uh, other companies that uh, use that technology for their specific machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not certain at this point whether that came from TI or not. Okay. So I will look into that and, and let you know. Yeah. So um, I can think of uh, other financial institutions, banks that are using Smalltalk. I think Sprint, the telephone company, was using it for switching systems. Um, and I uh, believe Verizon also has some Smalltalk software. Yeah, American Airlines uses it for reservation systems. Um, it's used in Canada by various government agencies for some of their applications, uh, one of which is financial. Uh, one that I'm working on has to do with um, border services, so uh, things to do with... Uh, people crossing the border from other countries into Canada. And a lot of new projects have started up using uh, the Seaside web application framework. Right. Seaside uh, is a, a web application framework that came from Squeak. Uh, it's now running on all of the big small talks. Uh, Squeak, Faro, VisualWorks, Object Studio, VA Smalltalk, and Gemstone. So it has a pretty wide impact. And uh, yeah, lots of people using that. Yeah, it seems especially powerful in combination with an object database uh, like Gemstone or Magma. Magma is a freeware object database. Gemstone is a commercial one. Yeah. Yeah, it works really well. In fact, Smalltalk does tend to work best with a uh, an object database, although we can interface Smalltalk to relational databases. There's sort of a mismatch in philosophies between the two systems. Yeah, a fundamental difference. Um, all Smalltalk systems have had the ability to mutate existing instances of a class when that class definition changes, when you add or remove slots. That's, that's always been a very fast operation. But doing table joins is not necessarily a fast thing to do. In fact, people go to great pains to try to avoid them. So hopefully you've seen that Smalltalk is a very interesting language Uh, We're going to be talking exclusively or almost exclusively about Smalltalk during this podcast. Uh, We're going to try and uh, take it easy to uh, introduce people to Smalltalk and also provide a resource for people who are familiar with Smalltalk for uh, learning new things and uh, hearing about some of the news that's going on in the Smalltalk world. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, well, thank you very much, Craig, and uh, enjoy your time in California. Thanks, I will. Enjoy your time digging up from the snow. (laughs) Fortunately, there's no digging yet, but it will come. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next time. Okay, see you.